Section 17 of Here and Hereafter. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Cornel Nemesh, Reno, Nevada. Here and Hereafter by Barry Payne. The Magic Rings. Part 1 netta the make-believer netta's father one day picked her up swung her into the air and put her down on the top of the high italian cabinet in the hall there you little slut he said what does the world look like from up there quite different you wouldn't know it the pictures look so queer upside down and the staircase isn't the same or anything can't you come up too no i'm afraid did you know there were two no three big rings up here on the top of the cabinet you can see them from down below may i bring them down if you like there were three disused wooden curtain rings very dusty how did they get there asked netta that said her father is one of the things that i do not know asked somebody else so she asked her mother her governess, her nurse, and all the servants. They also did not know. They supposed that somebody must have put them there some time. Netta went back to her father and obtained permission to have those rings for her own. She carried them into the garden into a secluded place under a weeping ash. There she examined the rings very carefully and thought about the mystery which surrounded them when she took them upstairs she showed them to her nurse these are the magic rings she said are they indeed now said the nurse used to being interested fictitiously but at the shortest notice in anything childish on the next day netta felt the need of a temple the romance of the rings was growing rapidly invested with a mysterious origin and properties not yet fully defined but vaguely magical they required to be enshrined in a temple for one night they had put up with the shelter of the toy cupboard but in view of their character they were now to have a place apart netta went to her father and asked him if he had an empty box that he could spare would the cardboard box do yes it ought to be pure white though the pure white cardboard box was found and given to her this became the temple netta placed the three magic rings in it and called her brother who was a year older than she and at that time rather a pious little prig would you like to see what's in that box jimmy i don't much mind it's a temple and i don't think i shall let you i certainly shan't let everybody you ought to let me see because i'm your brother well first of all i must write your name inside the lid everyone who is allowed to see into the temple is going to be written down there you're not to look until i've done it 
She wrote the names as neatly as she could with a long new pencil beautifully pointed. Now you can look, she said. It isn't anything at all. It's only three old rings. Yes, but they're magic rings. Puh! They can't do anything. Can they? said Netta with immense indifference as she replaced the lid. She sat on the table, swinging her slim legs, and hummed provokingly. I know they can't do anything, Jimmy repeated. Netta looked away from him, up at the flies circling on the white ceiling. Her eyes grew big and meditative. She continued humming. Well, said Jimmy desperately, what can they do? Every night when you're in bed and asleep and when everybody else is in bed and asleep, they can come out of the temple and run about. They run up walls and along the roofs of houses and they can fly too. They fly just like, like flies. I don't believe it. You're being a liar and you know where liars go to. You ought to be punished. I'm not being a liar. I might be a make-believer, perhaps, but I shan't say if I'm... Nobody knows where those rings came from. Papa himself doesn't know. I shall go and ask him this minute myself. Jimmy walked firmly to the door, paused, and added, And lying is the same as make-believing. He found his father and asked him if he knew where those rings that Netta had came from. No, said his father. I told her I didn't. Jimmy was disappointed. Lying and make-believing are the same thing, aren't they? He said. Not at all the same thing. This was yet another disappointment. Later in the day, Jimmy went to Netta and said that she really ought to give him one of those rings, as he was her brother. She refused. He then asked if he might look inside the temple at them again. Once more he was refused. It is not a good thing, said Netta gravely, to look at them too much in one day. It seems as if I couldn't do anything or have anything or play at anything, said Jimmy gloomily. Netta, being tender-hearted, relented and allowed him to look once more. Netta had girlfriends of her own age. They were Dorothy and Cecilia Vane, and Rose heritage. Netta told him about the magic rings, and they were all deeply impressed. A ritual sprang up. Netta was the priestess, and Rose heritage was the under priestess. It became necessary always to wave a green leaf slowly over the temple before opening it. Every morning the magic rings were taken out and placed for a few minutes in a basin of pure water. Then they were dried and put back again in the temple. Dorothy Vane, who read deeply, suggested amulets, and they were made at once. Each girl wore round her neck a gold thread. It had come off a box of crackers, and to the thread was attached a small square of white cardboard, on which three circles had been drawn. Netta and Rose had amulets on which the circles were drawn in red chalk. Dorothy and Cecilia had to be content with black ink, but it was understood 
that after a certain time dorothy would be raised to the position of under priestess and then she also would have the red chalk privilege the amulets were to be worn under the dress and to be shown to no one the secrecy observed was tremendous nobody was to know anything when engaged with the magic rings christian names were forbidden netta was addressed as the priestess and rose as the under priestess dorothy was called one and cecilia two of course two was the least honorable position it had been assigned to cecilia because owing to her sweet and gentle disposition she consented to take it which none of the other three would have done jimmy was by unanimous vote left out of it altogether they would ask him if he would not go and play in the garden like a kind boy because they had some private secrets to talk about and if she came suddenly into the room where they were they hid things hurriedly and talked ostentatiously about the weather this maddened jimmy sometimes he said that he knew all about it and at other times pointed out to netta that the claims of their relationship required that she should tell him all about it and at other times that he did not want to know occasionally he threatened to throw the temple and the magic rings he called them all curtain rings but that was only his offensiveness into the duck pond he did not do it the devotees were four in number and he was only one and foolhardiness is not courage anyhow he said if you weren't doing wrong you'd let me into it and so you're certain to be punished i have got secrets on my own and mine are not wrong but i shan't say anything about them but he prevailed nothing the legends about the magic rings grew rapidly in number and in strength their origin was now accounted for they had been hoops belongings to the fairies and they had undergone trundling so willingly and beautifully that the fairies had set them free and given them magical powers this ethological myth was like the rest given out of big-eyed netta the make-believer and received with wonderment and satisfaction by her followers the magic rings always lived a day on ahead what is merely monday to us was tuesday to them reports of their nocturnal wanderings were received from time to time they frequently went to the moon they could fly like flies it will be remembered once they went to the star of dolls the star is inhabited by dolls only and they can talk a penny exercise book was procured the generous and sweet-tempered cecilia defraying the total expenses and in it the myths were written out together were certain rules to be observed it was called the volume of the magic rings and under priestess had charge of it just as the priestess had charge of the temple letters passed freely between the four girls i give the one which was the beginning of the end dearest priestess when you bring the temple with you to the tea on their thursday which is our wednesday 
mine to bring two handkerchiefs and one of them must be clean this is important i have something to show you i hope you tell jimmy nothing you're loving under priestess the other girls had received similar instructions cecilia had been told to bring her musical box as well they all met in rosie's schoolroom and at first she did not explain her instructions fully i've got a splendid thing she said first of all when i say go you must all run after me at once bringing the things with you and then when we get there i'll tell you the rest rose's governess was with them at tea but afterwards she made ready to go out into the garden suggesting that they should come too may we wait a little and then come asked rose we want to play in the house first very well said miss tag don't get into any mischief the moment she had gone rose said go in a single file with rose leading they ran down a long passage and into the spare bedroom at the end of it now then said rose first of all we tie clean white handkerchiefs on our heads it was done now come and look in the spare room there was a very large toilet table it was hung all round with pink chintz with thin white muslin over it when you got under the table the world was shut out by these curtains and the light came through them in a holy pink subdued glow it was a charming and secluded spot and here miss rose had placed already two small color candles and a box of matches and the lid of a box piled high with rose petals and the green leaf essential to the opening of the temple all agreed that it really was as splendid as she had said a conference was held and the ritual decided the candles were lighted and placed one on each side of the temple the green leaf was waved the temple opened and the magic rings taken out at this point the musical box was to begin to play the priestess had assigned the turning of the musical box to two because after all it was her own musical box and she had so few privileges so two was radiant the magic rings were to be covered over with the rose petals left there until the music ceased and then replaced in the temple then everybody was to say oh magic rings three times and the candles were to be extinguished the program was never concluded because in the middle of it rose's governess miss tag came and caught them it was miss tag's opinion that they were very naughty wicked irreverent children and that they ran a risk of burning the house down the first accusation was untrue but the latter had something in it the four children wandered out into the garden a dejected group cecilia was the only one who had actually cried though and they had all comforted her as well as they could i do hate miss tag said rose this is the end of the magic rings netta the make-believer rose to the occasion with a new myth the magic rings have been insulted they do not like that 
I don't like being insulted myself, and if it had been my governess, I should have answered back. Well, I know what the magic rings will do now. What? Breathlessly from all. They will go away. Tonight, I shall put them in their temple in their usual place. But tomorrow, all of you come in the morning after the lesson and you'll see. They'll be gone. They will go right away by themselves, perhaps to the moon, and perhaps to the star of dolls. Miss Tag thought it her duty to inform Mrs. Heritage, who heard the story gravely and, and thanked her, but repeated it brilliantly amid a good deal of merriment to the make-believer's father when she dined at his house that night. Ah, he said. I must manage a mysterious disappearance for those rings. When next morning Netta and her companions opened the temple, the rings were not there. But in their place was a slip of paper on which the word goodbye was written. Not one of the four was more astonished than Netta herself. It's really happened. I wasn't sure it would, you know. I shall tell Miss Tag, said Rose triumphantly. I wonder if we really were wicked, said Cecilia, with the troubled look in her angel eyes. I didn't mean to be. They never solved the mystery. Gradually, they forgot it. End of part one. Part two. Further off from heaven. Forty years passed, and but two of the people of this story were left alive. Rose Heritage and Netta. Rose Heritage had become Lady Mallard, lived in a big house in the country, and had a grown-up family. Netta lived alone in a small house in West Kensington. The two never corresponded and heard nothing of each other now. The friendship had never been violently broken off. It had perished from time and separation, as friendships will. Of the others, Cecilia was the first to die. As a child, her nurses had said that she was too good to leave. As a girl of 18, she seemed too beautiful to leave. It was a beauty so spiritual, so unearthly, that to see it was to feel that it was claimed elsewhere. Netta's father had died with the complaint on his lips that physical pain had so far destroyed his sense of humor that he got no more pleasure out of leading articles. Jimmy had gone into the army, spent his own share of his father's property and most of Netta's, and finally redeemed by a gallant death a life that had been remarkably extravagant and bad. Netta's hair was gray. Her face was worn and ascetic, but one would have said rightly that she must have been a handsome woman in her time. She had never married. At seventeen, she had been in love with a man whom she could not marry, a hopeless affair 
and horrible enough for her while it lasted. It lasted three years. It was all forgotten now, or only the vague memory of a bad dream. Jimmy had been a care to her, too. She never knew while he lived what might not be the next news that she would hear of him. She had become a learned, lonely woman now, had taken the degree of doctor of medicine, practiced a little, and wrote very often. She wrote mostly on her own special subject, but occasionally for less technical and more widely read journals. She had been writing for one of them this afternoon in her poorly furnished study upstairs. It was growing dark, and her reading lamp by her side was lit, but she had not yet had the curtains drawn, and through the windows she could see the white snow falling slowly into the dirty street. She had stopped writing in the middle of a sentence. And whether the sentimentalist... She had flung down her pen impatiently. She had been teased all day by an effort to remember something, to explain what was, after all, a perfectly trivial thing. In turning over a cupboard full of papers, which had belonged to her father and been left practically untouched, ever since they had been sent to her house she had come across three old curtain rings carefully tied together a label was attached to them and on it was written the ink was faded and yellow netta the make-believer underneath were a few words of greek she remembered vaguely that when she was a child there was something about curtain rings she had played with them possibly but if that was all why had her father thought it worthwhile to keep them what was it exactly that she used to do with those rings these silly questions would keep coming into her head and distracting her attention from her work she shivered a little the room was chilly and took up her pen again she wrote and whether the sentimentalist believes it or whether he does not this religious passion which he admires so vastly in his nuns and martyrs is but a perversion of an instinct which once more she paused the room was really too cold looking round she saw that the fire was almost out she was accustomed to do things for herself and she set to work to revive it at once she opened the cupboard where she generally kept a few sticks for the purpose but this afternoon there was none there the curtain rings lay on her writing table still tied together why of course they would do as well in a few minutes the fire was blazing brightly she warmed her hands at it gazing abstractly into the red embers then she went back to her work and wrote rapidly until the article was finished end of part two end of section seventeen recording by cornel nemesh reno nevada